Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What's going on, guys? Welcome on back to the show here. And uh, as always, thank you for stopping by. Thanks for uh, carving out a little piece of your day to be here with me and uh, talk a little bit of a investing chat here. So with that being said, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and get right into it. We've uh, we've had a couple rough days and, um, you know, I, I really think that the, the Fed talk on Friday was was the catalyst that kind of took everything down a little bit. Now, I know last episode I was saying we kind of already knew this. We knew the Fed was going to keep tightening, doing their job ultimately to get uh, inflation back on track where they want it to be, have everything kind of start driving again and having these numbers kind of come together. Right now, the thing that I really didn't think of was how many people are kind of blindsided to this. We uh, we knew that we entered a recession we knew that uh, you know the the White House was spending more money, this, that, the other. We knew all that, but uh, ultimately, it seems like a lot of people really just kind of blew it off. And uh, now it seems like we are going to be bracing for a rougher landing after some of these Fed talks. And I think it just finally hit people like, oh yeah, uh, inflation did peak, things are kind of looking better. But then, you know, the Fed's still saying, hey, we're, we're still going to come after this inflation thing. It's not done. And I think ultimately that's what everyone's worried about. A rougher landing from the Fed, uh, you know, knowing that this cycle isn't done, they're still going to raise the rates. And ultimately, we've got to be uh, on this ship one way or another. Either, you know, you're on the boat with uh, your portfolio and your money, or you've got your cash on the sidelines and you're just having uh, you know inflation eat away at it. So one way or another, your money is tied to what's going on with the Fed. And uh, that can be a tricky thing. So I think that's got a little bit to do with the market that we're going through right now. You know, we've really been fighting for some direction. Uh, the past couple days, it's been really rocky. We, uh, we saw some green pre-market ultimately got erased. And, uh, you know, now on Wednesday, we are still trending a little bit lower. We're down about half a percent, trading right around 39.60 on the S&P. Now, when I'm looking at this S&P over here on E-Trade, I've got links in the description if you need to get started. Um, but when I'm looking at this chart here, uh, I'm seeing back in June, we got down to a low of around 36.60. Uh, and now we are trading right under 4,000, like I said. So we went from that low of 36 up to about uh, 42.90. It's looking like here is what I'm seeing as a high. And now we are dropping back down. Uh, so I told you that that RSI, the relative strength index, was getting into that overbought territory, uh, you know, middle of July or middle of August. We were up above... 70. It looks like we were about 72 on that RSI. Uh, above 70 is overbought. Below 30 is oversold. So we got to that point where too many people were buying. We ran everything up way too quick. Things got to that overbought frothiness again. We saw some of those uh, PE ratios climbing up as some of the prices were driven up through a lot of buying. 
And now we have taken a, a 180 here. We've gone from that 4290, 4300 down to, uh, you know, sub four. And that RSI is now floating around 38. So we've about cut that uh, eh, almost in half in a short couple weeks here. So I think this is some of the rockiness we're seeing. I think on that RSI indicator, when we get back down to that 30, uh, I think it's probably going to be time to start, uh, you know, hold your breath and buy something. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, unfortunately, with some of the stuff I've got going on, my my cash is fairly limited at the moment. Some of those those big chunks of money I like to put in when that uh, RSI gets to that oversold territory of under 30 and things are looking really ripe for the picking. Uh, that's when I would like to do some more buying personally. Uh, but right now my situation is just a little, uh, change with some different things going on. So I've got, uh, I see that on the charts though. It almost directly mimics the, uh, the chart of the S and P, uh, to the RSI. And I'm really watching this. I'm really watching things coming down. I'm sure if we pull up the VIX, we will see that that has, uh, kind of turned around just the same. Let's take a look here uh, on that volatility index. So we are at a 25 and we were down to about a 20. So as that starts creeping back up, you know, mid thirties, forties uh, is peak fear. So you're certainly going to want to watch that VIX and the RSI. If that RSI is getting below 30 and the VIX is spiking up, you, we know we're at peak uh, fear and uh, probably a good time to buy something. Just uh, make sure it's uh, something that's going to be fitting for the market right now. And some of those different things are going to be uh, dividend stocks or things that are going to be less volatile in the short term in order to survive any kind of uh, sustained uh, downturn. Now, if you want to buy some more high growth stocks, speculative stocks, uh, just be careful. Know that you're playing with fire. And ultimately, some of those can burn you because uh, even when the market will come back, some of those are going to lag a little bit more. Uh, some of them might be the first ones to run, but some of them uh, in the past when other things were running, some of these, these high growth speculative names just were not there. They didn't have any kind of support going back into that uh, rally mode. So be careful what you're buying. Uh, again, you know, a lot of the different things I'm seeing out there are some of the energy names, some of the financial names. Uh, I'm looking at JP Morgan getting back down to uh, to some lows. You know, they're a solid company. You're, you would be entering at a nine times PE. Beta is low, uh, lower than a one. It's a 0.9. Quarterly dividend of 3.5. And, uh, you know, you're about $7 off the, the low for the year. And uh, one that I definitely like, and I think the uh, the analysts agree with me there as well. So uh, let's take a look here. Where are we at? And yeah, they've got about 20 and a half percent of upside on JP Morgan. So one that I think is going to be less risky, uh, give you that three and a half percent dividend and uh, also give you some upside going forward. But yeah, the uh, the healthcare, the uh, the food stocks, the grain stocks, uh, you know, Archer, uh, Daniels, Midland came to mind when I was coming up with some different names for this one. Uh, you know, they're going to do seed, grain, things like that, everything ag related. You're going to get a small dividend. And uh, ultimately, I think it's just a good spot to uh, weather a recession. 
smaller amount of upside here, about 12.8% and a smaller dividend at uh, about 1.8%, but uh, beta is a 0.5, right? So less risk. PE is only a 13. And, uh, you know, as far as a uh, food stock goes, that's a, a fairly decent PE. You know, the financials are going to be a little bit cheaper on that PE basis. That's just how they trade. But uh, take all that into account when you're looking to set up something going forward. Is it going to be a long term? Are you trying to weather the storm? Or is this simply going to be a rebound uh, play when the market comes back? Or are you going to sell out of them? Uh, now, for me, in my situation right now, I normally don't sell. Uh, I might have to do some selling when the market comes back. And uh, if we see another prolonged rally going into the end of the year, I might do a little bit of selling just because I need to do so. Uh, one, to get some cash back in the account for any future downturn and uh, this tax bill that I've got looming that I'm going to have to pay as well. So I've got those different things going on. So that's my situation. Uh, that's not normally my strategy, but I was kind of throwing this curveball. So that's what I've got to deal with. I'm not going to do it now. Uh, and if I don't have to, I don't really want to sell any stocks in order to do this, but, uh, it is an option for me, but, um, you know, going forward, I really do think that a lot of people missed this recession. Um, you know, it was kind of just brushed under the rug and now we're looking at, uh, a couple different analysts, uh, coming out and really saying that things are going to get worse. Uh, with the amount of money supply in the, uh, the M2, the amount of money that is in you know, consumer savings, uh, checking accounts, banking accounts, things like that has been on that run up since, uh, you know, the Fed started printing money uh, since COVID started. So a lot of that is a big fear. And having this, uh, this ginormous run in the amount of money that is out there is uh, really going to be hurting us when things go forward. And, uh, you know, the Fed hasn't printed any more money. So now they've kind of cut off the spigot. The money is eventually going to run out. And everything else is artificially so high because of the amount of money that we pumped in that now, you know, people aren't going to have that safety net of the government pushing out any more stimulus checks, this, that, the other, uh, in order to kind of, you know, fuel the economy along. So we've really got to have some things happen in order to uh, avoid this bigger recession and ultimately, you know, really land on our feet, have a softer landing. And I think that's really the problem of what a lot of people are seeing right now is uh, things are going to get worse. The Fed's saying they're going to get worse. I know we already talked about that, but I think now it's kind of coming to light to a lot of other people that this could get a lot worse before it gets better. But, uh, you know, over here on Let It Grow Investing, we are long-term investors. I am a long-term investor. Uh, not to say that I don't do any type of other investments, swing trading, things like that. But overall, I am a long-term investor that wants to, you know, retire on dividends at some day. Uh, I know a lot of people in my generation are not going to be getting a pension. We really aren't counting on Social Security. Uh, a lot of that money is going to be gone. So we really, or I really want to find another way to supplement my income. Um, you know, whatever I might be getting as far as a retirement, whatever I'm able to save, I would really like to have this dividend income. So when I see these opportunities, like what we might be having here, uh, re maybe retesting some of these lows, possibly going through that, uh, I really want to bolster my portfolio as best I can in order to collect some of these uh, shares at a discount 
in order to get those uh, those larger dividend payments that uh, hopefully if we're in the right names, they're going to pay us an increasing dividend every year. That's the stocks that I want to be in for this uh, safety piece of my portfolio. Now, that's not going to be all my stocks. There are certainly stocks that don't pay a dividend or a small one. Uh, there's going to be some that aren't dividend aristocrats, meaning that they haven't raised that dividend payment for 25 years or more consecutively. And those are really the companies that I'm looking to add through this downturn. But uh, some of the different energy companies will pay a variable uh, interest or a variable dividend. So if they're having a better year, they're going to pay their shareholders uh, a, you know, a little bit more. And you know, next year, if it slows down, they're going to cut that dividend back a little bit and uh, you know, pay a little bit less and get by through some of those weaker years uh, with some of the cyclicality of their businesses. So take a look at the, uh, the dividends, how long they've been paying them, what their payout ratios are. Uh, you know, A lot of times we're looking for stocks that pay out under 80% in the way of a dividend. Um, you know, A really safe one would be under 60%. Under 80 might be a little bit stretched. If you're getting into some of the real estate investment trusts, the REITs, they do have to pay a larger percent of their profits in the form of dividends. That's what qualifies them for that type of business structure. Uh, so take a look at all that. Definitely see what works for you, what might uh, survive any sort of downturn, and really set up your plan now for any type of uh, future opportunity that's going to be presented to us. Because I think we will have another opportunity to buy up some of these low prices. And uh, I just don't want you guys to miss it. So try to be ready, try to do your homework, and ultimately um, really set up for what this next downturn is. Find a reason to get excited about it. I know that sounds crazy when you're down, uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, if not more, but uh, find a reason to get excited about losing money um, just on paper. And then you can go ahead and buy some of these discounts and bolster that portfolio and uh, build up that dividend income, all those different things we were just talking about and really set yourself up for uh, a better, you know, two, three, 10 years down the line. When you uh, look back, you'll be really happy that you bought all these, uh, you know, regular high conviction dividend paying stocks that are really going to set you up. So that's what I got on that. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, what Citibank just said and really what that means for some of our favorite stocks around here. So stick around. I'll be right back. All right, guys, welcome back here. And uh, I was saying right before break that uh, Citigroup was calling for some some more bad news, I'll say, in uh, the semiconductor space, um, saying that uh, the worst of it is still out in front of us. And we're really looking to figure out um, some direction and, and trying to get a, a feel for what's going on in some of these stocks that we know and love. And uh, they were saying that uh, the, the chip space could have about another 25% of downside uh, going forward. And uh, a lot of those stocks are still um, going to be punished for the amount that they had to basically overbuild or the amount of products that they sold during the pandemic. You know, a lot of the uh, the laptops, home office, uh, you know, cell phones, this, that, the other, anything that was chip stock related um, was in such high demand and they were producing as much as they possibly could. And people were buying as much as they poss possibly could. 
that is going to kind of slow down and kind of come to an end here. Uh, you know, obviously there's still going to be some demand, but uh, the total addressable market or the TAM has uh, really shrunk overall. So there's still some sales out there, but uh, overall the amount that people are going to be buying is going to be less. Um, you know, they also went on to say that uh, some of the stocks they still really like are going to be AMD, Micron, Global, Global Foundries. But uh, the top chip stock that they had right now is uh, is one that I hadn't heard of, which was uh, called Analog Devices. The ticker on that one is ADI. And uh, it's currently trading about $150. And uh, Citi actually has a average or their price target on it is $195. Uh, so take that into account. I know they're saying that it could get potentially worse, but they are... Uh, you know, what 20 high 20% of upside on this, uh, this one individual stock here. So kind of take that as a, a grain of salt that, uh, you know, they still have some upside on this one. They do have some price targets on some of these other stocks that are higher, but uh, they do see some, some headwinds that we're going to be fighting through in this chip stock space. Uh, so really, you want to pick your battles, uh, maybe look at some of the lows that we set back in about June. Uh, on this one, ADI, it's in the high 130 range. Uh, so there is some more downside potential if you're looking at where it fell before. And uh, then going forward, you know, there's there's a good amount of room to run. But uh, the beta is a little bit higher at a 1.2. The PE is a good bit higher at a 42. But uh, it is a chip stock that they really like. I'm guessing that it is more of a uh, commodity chip stock, not a uh, one of them top tier uh, ones you're going to find in a lot of gaming PCs, things like that. And uh, it does say here that they manufacture, test, and market a portfolio solutions, uh, integrated circuit software, subsystems that leverage analog, mixed signal, and digital signal processing. Um, so they've got a, a good array of different products. They've got, uh, you know, overall, all the other analysts say that it is a, a strong uh, stock right now. Most have a good amount of upside on this one. And, uh, you know, there's a couple with uh, price targets up into the 200 range. Most of them are in the 190s. And the, uh, that average uh, price point on this one is 191 right now. So one to maybe take a look at. And, uh, you know, just be mindful of the fact that things could be getting worse. Uh, you know, comparables year over year from last year to this next quarter are going to be uh, pretty difficult. And we're also going to be seeing a, uh, a falling demand. And we're comparing ourselves to last year, which, you know, uh, everyone was kind of buying up all that stuff at that point. Uh, as, you know, cars were kind of coming back online. People were trying to buy every last thing that they could. And that's kind of slowing down now. So take that all into account. But uh, with that being said, if you're looking to start uh, a new account or if you're really looking to build up a, uh, a portfolio in this uh, little bit of a downturn, I, I wanted to quickly cover maybe some ways to set up your portfolio and uh, really be able to take advantage of what's going on out there going forward. Now, We've talked about this before, but it has been quite some time. And uh, I really just want to recap, like maybe what you could be doing in order to uh, set up your portfolio now. Uh, and I've said it before, I'm sure I'll say it again, that if you are looking for 
a, uh, a broad market ETF. That is a, a great way to start something like uh, VTI or VOO. VTI is going to be a Vanguard fund. That's going to be the total stock market ETF. Uh, so that portfolio is going to be a little bit spread out. It's going to be uh, a mixture of small, medium, large, giant companies, primarily in uh, North America, 99% in North America, a little bit of Europe, barely anything in Latin America or uh, Asia. But uh, it does give you some diversity through the, the different stocks that are here. Um, now, when you're looking at the top 10, you've got names like Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla, Google, United Health, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, Johnson & Johnson, NVIDIA. So it's going to give you a mixture by buying one ETF and uh, you know your dollars are going to be split up amongst those within the fund. That's just how this type of ETF is going to work. Uh, so that is a good spot to, to put some of your original money. Say if you had uh, $10,000, your first $10,000, I have always been a uh, an advocate for putting that into a broad market fund. Uh, a lot of the reason for that is I think a lot of people are going to get wrapped up into going too heavy into one stock. Maybe they know that company. Maybe they don't know it as well as they should. Or maybe they just don't understand all the risks that are associated with single stock exposure. Uh, so a broad market ETF is going to help you uh, stay a little bit safer, still give you some growth uh, outlooks, but ultimately it, it's going to really reduce that amount of risk that you have on the table. And uh, so if you're starting out 10, first $10,000, I always say go into a ETF that's going to be broad market based. It's going to save you. It's going to kind of dip your toes into the water. You're going to understand there's swings in the market, but uh, it's going to kind of ease you into that mentality. And then second, if you've got more money than that and you're really looking to, uh, um, you know, kind of branch out a little bit, say, hey, yeah, I've got that 10 grand into VTI or VOL. And now I want to, um, you know, branch out a bit. I've got, uh, say, I've got another $10,000. What what am I going to do with that? You could easily keep adding that to your, uh, your broad market ETF, or you could go into some single stock exposure. Uh, now for me, this uh, this number two space in this uh, portfolio theoretical uh, portfolio we're building would go into proven winners. Uh, I'm not looking for anything that's going to be super risky. Uh, I'm thinking companies that are going to be uh, some of the the top tier companies that might be in the uh, this broad market ETF that you might be holding. But uh, say you want a little bit more exposure, you could go ahead and buy some of those companies. Now here I'm thinking. Um, you know, maybe Walmart, Apple, um, you know, United Health or Visa, things that are large proven winners that uh, have a, a good margin, a good history. You know, they, they might pay a dividend, but they have been around a long time. They've got a, a lot of good numbers and a lot of uh, different lanes of business that they can go down in order to continue to make money and, uh, you know, return some growth to their shareholders. So that would be number two. Um, you know, you could certainly, like I said, add a little bit into each one dollar cost average over time into these positions. Or, uh, you know, you could, you know, just kind of, you know, say, hey, I got another 10,000. I'm putting, you know, 2,000 into five different companies. Go something like that. Now, 
Number three, well, before I go on with that, I, I like to keep my percentage of uh, any one stock under about 5%, uh, maybe 10% when you're starting off, but I really don't want to stretch up into uh, much more than that into any one single stock. So try to be mindful of how much you have into any one position. Now, number three would be uh, in this portfolio we're building is going to be uh, some different things that might have more more growth outlook uh, that you could possibly add. And now I'm looking at companies that uh, definitely have been growing. They've definitely been around for a little while, um, but uh, you really like the the area of the market that they're in whether it be you know cloud computing or uh, say infrastructure right now, you're really looking for some of these different uh, companies that that might you know kind of corner the market in one way or another in these direct areas. So uh, one might be like uh, CrowdStrike or uh, I don't know, another one will come to me while I'm talking here. You're looking for some of these that are uh, you know maybe right in the solar space right now, Sunrun or something like that where, You've got, uh, and that, that one might be a little bit too growth oriented, but you're looking for some companies that are going to give you the growth. They are a little bit more risky, and that's why it's kind of a third tier player. You don't want your uh, majority of your money to be in these names, um, especially not to start off. If you've got uh, you know a good handle on what you're doing, feel free to, to go and buy your own stuff. Don't uh, live by my words here. But I would say for me, I would have a smaller amount of money into some of these more speculative names that uh, are maybe a little bit more volatile. The beta is a little bit higher. They have larger price swings within the stock. Maybe something like that would work there. And then if you really have a, uh, an, a lot of money you want to kind of throw around in the market, I don't really like to put a whole bunch of money into this type of category. Uh, maybe 5% five to 10% of my total money would go into some different, uh, I won't say penny stocks, but really heavily growth oriented stocks that are going to be, uh, you're on along for the ride with them, you know, and names like that for me would be the, the names like ABML or, uh, you know, some of the different high growth, high risk, names that could really do well uh like DraftKings would would probably be more in that category for me uh you know some of the different uh marijuana type stocks that haven't really taken off yet um i'm not so big in those right now because they haven't done well in the past but uh some of those different maybe even startup payment plays uh those could be ones that would be the more in that high growth type area where you want a little bit of your uh your money that uh, you really want to speculate on, but I wouldn't want to go too heavy there. So kind of recap, I would like to see a starting investor go more broad market ETF and then get into some uh, proven winners uh, You know that have got uh, a long standing either dividend or growth outlook or you know a lot of that history there to know that you're buying into something that is going to be solid. Uh, and I want to see, I would personally want to see most of the money for a new investor in those two type of categories. And then, you know, maybe get into these growth ideas of uh, what's going to be next in the next five, 10 years, put some money there possibly. And then if you really got these moonshot uh, new companies that are starting up, whether it be a SPAC play or a new IPO or something like that, where you're kind of getting in at that early level, 
and you're really looking for some long-term gains, that would be a fourth tier for me. But again, I wouldn't want to go more than five to 10% of my portfolio into some of these type of, uh, really the, the moonshot plays I'm talking about here, the number fours. Uh, as far as like a number three, maybe you could bump that up to 20% of your portfolio in that. But that would mean about 70% of your portfolio would be broad market and proven winners. And then you've got some uh, some other areas that could be a more of a high growth type play. So that's just kind of a way that I might lay out something. But if you've got a different idea or if you've got a, another strategy that you know you would recommend, feel free to share it up on the group on Let It Grow Investing. Uh, that's on Facebook. And uh, we are doing a uh, the investing challenge over there where I just bought $200 worth of Pfizer, ticker is PFE, for week 35. And I need your votes for week 36. And uh, you guys will be voting on it on the Facebook page. I will be adding the $200 next Monday to one of these five names. Uh, the first one is Equinix, ticker is EQIX. Number two would be Cigna Healthcare, ticker is CI. Number three would be Devon Energy, ticker is DVN. Number four would be Huntington Bank Shares, and that uh, ticker is HBAN. And number five is, uh, what is the actual name of this one? I think it's uh, American Water Works, which is uh, the ticker is AWK. So those are the five names I got for you guys this week. Thank you guys for voting. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. And uh, get over to the Let It Grow Investing page and, uh, you know, really go ahead and share that group up and get some uh, some new people in there that are going to be uh, talking, voting, and, and doing all the things that we're trying to build a community around over there. So uh, with that being said, that is what I got for you guys today. Get out there, get invested, and uh, let's try to turn around this uh, this ugly market for the end of the year here. So Take care, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing Podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.